0: Well, thank you for allowing me to be away last week. Um, it was a pleasure to be there. As some of you know, as I'm getting older, for some reason, God's allow me to come alongside some of the, the younger pastors. And uh, I'm not sure that I'm imparting any wisdom, but just uh, encouragement and, and bringing them along. But uh, Zach over in Staples Alliance got ordained, and he had a celebration last week. And so that's where I was. And with that, it was kind of neat, or neat for me, that you uh, got to hear Jesse last week, Jesse's first message, and every pastor has to do a first message, and uh, they're usually not great, they're usually a lot of nerves, they're not easy, and uh, if I was going to have Jesse do one, you are the folks that I want him to do it in front of, because I knew you guys um, give a lot of grace, because I know you're pastor, and so you give a lot of grace, but you also... Uh, you will love on him no matter what. And so thank you for doing that and allowing him to preach his first message here. And again, I don't know what God has for Jesse exactly, but he's been studying and been learning God's Word, and he's been hoping to have that opportunity. And so I wanted that to be here. And so thank you for allowing him to do that last week. Now you're back to me. So, uh, As you know, we've taken a little bit of a break uh, with Palm Sunday and Easter and then me being away last week, but I have not forgotten that we are still working through the life of Samuel, and so we're going to go there today and we're starting chapter 12, and some of you are visitors here today, and don't worry, I'll get you up to speed because we've all been out of it for a little while, but the life of Samuel has been an interesting one. Um, as I've been studying and we've been working through it, we've realized that Samuel um, is kind of the transition guy. He's the guy that's in the middle. He's the, the last of the judges, and it's about the time when the kings are going to come into play. And so Samuel's life reflects that. And if you're new here or you're visiting, don't get worried. I ask questions often. They're not rhetorical questions because I'm not good at that. So I'll wait for an answer. But I want you to interact with me, and I want you to be part of the message. And I want you to, to walk through these scriptures with me. And so I'll be asking some questions and I'll wait for answers. And I can be really patient if I don't get an answer. So uh, if you want to help out and keep things moving, answer some of the questions. But it's always good to have two wives, right? No. It did not work out for... <laughs> Ryan's over there just laughing already. <laughs> I don't know why he's laughing. Kim's going, knock it off. No. Um Right? It didn't work out so well, right? It, it caused discord in the household. They were upset. And that's what Samuel came out of. And <clears throat> Hannah, his mother, prayed for a son. And God graciously gave her that. And she made a vow before the Lord to, to vow him to the Lord into the fact of service. And so she turned him over to Eli, right? Eli the priest. And that was a great situation as well, right? No, right? Eli was struggling with his sons, there was corruption going on, things were not well. Eli was getting older and he failed in his parenting and by that his sons were corrupting and he paid the price for that. Right? God judged him for that. He, he lost not only his own life, but the lives of his sons and even one of his grandsons. And, so, and his legacy stopped there. And so Samuel came out of that and became the leader. We also had in that interim right before Samuel really takes over, we had the the whole idea of the the Philistines, right the the arch enemies of Israel capturing the Ark of the Covenant right they they captured it, and if you remember that story, right, they had it for a time, yet their idol ended up breaking over it and falling face first in front of it, and so we went through those chapters and eventually they returned it because it was causing them great distress and great pain. They knew it was not of them that God, the God that we serve, is much greater than the idols. And so the people repented and turned back around, which is part of the cycle of the Israelites, right? They fall into, out of the Lord's favor. They start following after idols. They get further and further away, and then God has to judge them and bring them back. He corrects them because he loves them, yet he never totally wipes them out. He always holds on to a few, and you'll see that even today. Samuel's going to remind them of God's faithfulness. Right, we've said that that's the theme not only of Samuel, but of the whole Old Testament. Right? God is always faithful, even when we're not faithful. And so that's been part of it. And so after a time of Samuel's reign, Samuel has a family. He has two boys, and guess what? He ends up following basically the same path as Eli, and his two sons are not ready to take over and so the people cry out for a king, right? And was it a bad thing or a good thing? Bad. Why was it bad? God was their king. Right, exactly. Thank you, Steve. God was their king, right? God's the one that was leading them. They didn't need an earthly king. And also their motives were wrong, right? They they wanted a king to be like the other nations. They wanted to be like everyone else around them. And again, that's part of the problem and part of the falling away. And so through that, Samuel anoints Saul, right? Remember that story, Saul's out chasing donkeys, right? The the donkeys come into it again. We'll see there's a donkey in today. I can't get away from the donkeys in this this, this, uh, book of Samuel. But meanwhile, while he's out chasing them, he comes in contact with Samuel. Samuel anoints him. And Saul is starting to be prepared to be the king. But it's not an automatic thing. We, right, we, it took a, a couple of chapters, actually almost three chapters, before Saul is squarely put into the, the throne. Right? He's, he's now their king. He's now their leader. Um, there was a step-by-step process. The people had to recognize him. In fact, Saul had to have that one battle, and that's where we kind of left off in chapter 11, a victory. And now Saul becomes their king, And chapter 12 brings us to Samuel, where Samuel is going to step down. Some call it the Samuel's farewell speech, right? Interesting enough, as though Samuel is stepping down from one of his roles, he's not really in retirement. And um, I'm not picking on anyone that's retired here, but I tell you, I really do love those folks that retire because quite often they become busier than they were before when they had a a regular job, right? Retirement doesn't mean that you stop, that you keep going. And Samuel is going to show us that, but he is going to take a step back from his role here. And that's where we find ourselves in chapter 12, verse 1. So if you're visiting, you're now at the same spot as all of us. And that was probably about nine weeks of messages, and we're all caught up in the same spot. So let's go forward this morning. Samuel said to all Israel, I've listened to everything you've said to me and set a king over you. Now you have a king as your leader. As for me, I am old and gray, and my sons are here with you. I've been your leader from my youth to this day. Here I stand, testify against me in the presence of the Lord and his anointed whose ox have i taken whose donkey have i taken whom have i cheated whom have i oppressed from whose hand have i accepted a bribe to shut to make me shut my eyes if i've done any of these things i will make it right just stop right there again samuel now is addressing the whole of israel and he's kind of laying it out there right he's he's saying all right i'm going to step out i'm old and i'm gray you have my sons but they're not the leaders you have a king and he's saying, hey, have I done anything wrong before you? So I was thinking about that. That's a pretty courageous step to take. That's a pretty bold step to take for someone to say, is there anything? I remember Samuel's been with them from the beginning, the beginning of his life, and he's walked step by step through all the battles, through all the anointings, through all the services, through all the years, and to say, is there anything? Right? Right? If you think about your life, I mean, there's usually always something in our past that we that could be brought against us as a charge. And Samuel's laying that out there. He's saying, Hey, if there is, I want to make things right. And so he lays that out there. Have I taken anything? Have I cheated you out of anything? Have I accepted a bribe, right? That's what that I accept a bribe to shut my eyes. Remember, he's a judge, right? He has to make rulings. People would bring Conflicts to him, and he would make a judgment on that. How's that fall into the law? Who's right, who's wrong? That's not an easy position to be in. Right? Judges were not always, you know, the favored person, right? They brought a message from God, but they also made rulings that quite often didn't make people happy with them. You know, that it still happens today. Sometimes when people ask for advice and you, you give it to them and give it fairly. Um, they tend to want to shoot the messenger first. That's the easiest target, usually the one that's in front of them. For a time, I I helped out a few people with mediation, and I I was told as I was going through some training, mediation, this was kind of in the business world, but in mediation, the, the best outcome is when both parties were not happy with you. Right? Think about it for a minute, right? When you're, you're coming together, there's got to be some give and take, and you, you try to meet in the middle, try to be fair, but usually the, no one gets exactly what they want in the business world. While the business world is not much different when you're dealing with people and you come together, whether it's counseling or, or you're having trouble with someone, usually no one gets... Everything, right? And no one's 100% to blame and no one's 100% at fault. There's that medium ground and both parties are not usually happy. And so this is the role that Samuel's had as a judge. And so for him to put this out in front of them, he's taking some risk here, right? Because surely there's someone that's not been happy with him at, at least at some point during some of these rulings, some of these things. But he's also saying... I've been fair, right? If not, let me make things right. Now the response for the people, verse 4. says, you've not cheated or oppressed us, they replied. You've not taken anything from anyone's hand. Good response, right? Good response. If you're Samuel, you're like, yes, good. I, I, I did all right then. I have passed the test, right? So then Samuel goes a little bit further, right? Again, he's not done with them yet. He says to them, Verse 5, the Lord is witness against you and also his anointed is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand and his witnesses, he is witness, they said. right, so now he's saying, all right, it's great that you don't find anything against me, but what about God? And if you read it real quick, you almost missed this, but he talks about the anointed one, right? Well, who's the anointed one here at the time? Saul, right, the king, the new king is there, right? Samuel's not done teaching yet. I really believe a lot of this is for Saul's sake, right? He's saying, hey, I've served all these years, and, you can't, and there's nothing to be said against me. But yet he's got this young king, Saul, in the crowd. He actually stingles him out a little bit and says, hey, guess what? This is what needs to be said of you at the end of your life. I think he's teaching Saul, hey, you need to be able to stand in the same light, right? You're going to be the leader now, so you need to step up. You need to make sure that you don't fall into any of these traps, that you don't cheat anyone or that you don't accept any bribes. And so as much as it is for the people and for Samuel saying goodbye, he's still teaching even to the end. Good practical lesson is there's a lot for us older folks to be teaching the younger generation as well. We have... Wisdom, we have things, life experiences that we can pass on and teach. Kind of like that Titus 2 theme that we're working through as elders and as a church this year, right? Older men, younger men, older women, younger women, right? How do we teach that? How do we pass on to the next generation? It works well here. And Samuel's doing the same for Saul. Verse 6 Samuel says to the people, it is the Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron and brought your ancestors up out of Egypt. Why is he going back to history? Why is he going back to all the way back to Egypt, right? They're, they're light years away from that. They're a long ways. They've been in the promised land for quite some time now, and again, that's, that's ancient history because Samuel knows that the people are going to be, need to be reminded of God's faithfulness, right? And even though they have new leadership, the same promises continue, right? God is still going to be faithful. God is still there. And sometimes it's good to look back, right? It's good to look back and see how many times God's been faithful. And we forget. Some, we don't think he's going to be faithful in the future, but he is. And so Samuel's bringing that back to them, going back in history a little bit here. And he's saying, hey, our history's been God has always been faithful, no matter who the leadership is. Verse 7, now then stand here because I'm going to confront you with evidence before the Lord uh, as to all the righteous acts performed by the Lord for you and your ancestors. After Jacob entered Egypt, they cried to the Lord for help. And the Lord sent Moses and Aaron who brought your ancestors out of Egypt and settled them in this place. Verse 9 is kind of the key here, but, it's a big but here, but they forgot the Lord their God right? Again, that continual problem, right? They, Israel goes, things start going well, things are, are moving along, and all of a sudden they forget about God. and They get themselves in trouble, and God has to do something to correct them, to bring them back. And the commander of the army of Hazar, and into the hands of the Philistines, and the king of Moab, who fought against them, right? God would use those nations around them, would rise up, and would start to inflict pain on them, would start to take over their lands and start to encroach on them or steal from them, and it would cause distress and pain. And God would send a deliverer, send someone to help them. He would intervene. And so, Samuel, again, bringing that lesson forward, getting closer and closer to where they are now. In that distress, verse 10, they would cry out to the Lord and and say, we have sinned, we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and the Asherah. But now deliver us from the hands of our enemies and we will serve you. Right, that cry out, that was the, the purpose of the discipline was to get them to turn back to God. Now they couldn't rely upon the false idols, that never brought deliverance. And So he would bring them back and bring them back around. Saying, hey, deliver us, right, help us, get us out of that and then we'll serve you. We, we give the Israelites a lot of uh, grief or we, we think lowly of them, but really it's no different than us, right? We, we forget, right? I always say we tend to have short memories sometimes on how faithful God is, and sometimes our, we're our own worst enemies, right? When things are going really good, we tend to put God down a little bit or forget about him. Not always, but that's a temptation. And so Samuel's reminding of that, we remind them of the cycle they've been in. Verse 11, it says, And the Lord sent Jeroboam, Barak, Jephaniah, and Samuel, and he delivered you from the hands of your enemies all around you, so that you lived in safety. Again, it's interesting, but Samuel uses the judges, right? One of those is Gideon, and, and some manuscripts even say, instead of Samuel, they say Samson, but these are all the judges. This is kind of current history now. This is getting closer and closer to their generation, almost where they're at right now. Remember, Samuel's the last judge, and so he's brought them now all the way up through their history, from Egypt up to there, kind of like we do in the beginning, right? That review of where we've been. Samuel's doing the same thing. He's reviewing their history, and now we're at this point. And now you have a choice to make, right? You know the history. Now what are you going to do? Verse 12. But when you saw that Naash, king of the Amorites, was moving against you, you said to me, no, we want a king to rule over us. Even though the Lord your God was your king, now here is the king you have chosen, the one you asked for. See, the Lord has set a king over you. Remember early on, right, when the people asked for it, Samuel was not pleased, right? Samuel was not happy about them wanting a king. He was, he was upset by it, right? Remember, he, he had that complaint to God. We, we talked about that, right? Complaining to God about when things aren't fair. Again, we distinguish, right? Complaining about God is different than complaining to God. And so we had that interaction with Samuel, and I don't think Samuel ever did really settle that in his heart. He says, these are the things you asked for. You got what you asked for, and now you have your king. In some ways, God answered their prayer. They wanted a king, and so God gave that to him. And so there's going to be a cost, right? We looked at that in one of the chapters, right? It's going to cost you to have a king. You're going to have to give up in order to support a king. You're going to have to give up in order to support an army and his palace and all that's entailed. It's going to cost you. And so Samuel's reminding them, you got what you asked for, but you still have a choice in this. Verse 14, <clears throat> 14 is another one of those key verses, verses to this passage. It says, if you fear the Lord and serve and obey him and do not rebel against his commands, and if both you and the king who reigns over you follow the Lord your, your God, good. Good kind of a, a stick in the ground here, right? In his speech, he's, he's making a point here. He says, even though you've asked for a king, even though you've got a king, and it may or may not be right, there's still something you can do here, right? There's things that you need to do as individuals, as a nation, right? Fear the Lord, right? That's a, an evident thing. That's a, a to-do, right? Fear the Lord first. Serve, Certainly that's important, right? Serve as you you serve the Lord, you fear the Lord. That's part of your worship, part of your growth, part of your being. And that hasn't changed, just so you know. That kind of carries over even today. Obey him. And again, that's a, a reference, obey. Obey what God said. Obey the law. And so Samuel's pointing them back to, hey, it won't matter as much about the nation if you do these things, right? nation will be well taken care of. God's going to watch over you. God's the one that's going to provide. In other words, he's saying, don't rely on the king so much. Rely on your heart and what your worship is. We can lose that same sight, right? We put our trust in other things other than God. And he says, if you do all these things, and the king does this as well, good. Things will be good. Verse 15, though, the contrast. But, but if you do not obey the Lord... And if you rebel against his commands, his hand will be against you as it was against your ancestors. Working against God, right? I'm not sure if I if I asked her to raise a hand, I would hope that no one would raise and say, You do, does anyone want to work against God? Right? No. Right? It's a, it's a losing battle. Right? You do not want to do that. But in many ways, we do actually work against God in our own lives, right? We we get away from Our relationship with God. We start doing things that we know are not right. And so we are. We're working against God. And God's not going to bless that. He's not going to take care of those things. He's going to be working against us. He's going to allow us the consequences. And I've said this before, and it kind of helps remind us that, right, we can pick the sin, but we can't pick the consequence. Right? The consequences for you might be different from the consequences for someone else, but there will be a consequence for disobedience and when we rebel. God knows that. God's just in that. But we can't get away from the consequence. It's A pretty heavy-handed um, farewell speech, right? It's not, not, not light and fluffy and, hey, look at all the great things that I've done. He's actually kind of, hey, this is my final message. I got your attention. I'm going to hit you pretty hard here. And again, it's on purpose. Samuel's not quite done with being the spiritual leader. He's just stepping out of his role as judge. Verse 16. It says, Now then, stand still and see this great thing the Lord is about to do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest now? I'll call on the Lord to send thunder and rain, and you will realize what an evil thing you did in the eyes of the Lord when you asked for a king. Again, God gave them a king, but their motives were wrong. Right? Their motives were were the fact that they wanted to be like the other nations. And so this is now the judgment for that. And this is where Samuel rolls out of that role of judge and into prophet. And so for a good prophet, there needs to be some visible sign. And so here we have it here in Scripture, and it's going to happen right now, right on the spot, right before them. He said Samuel wears many hats in his role, and this is one of the other places as a spiritual leader. Verse 18, then Samuel called on the Lord and on that same day, the Lord sent thunder and rain. So all the people stood in awe of the Lord and of Samuel. The people said to Samuel, pray to the Lord, your God, for your servants so that we will not die, for we've added to all of our other sins, the evil of asking for a a king. There's a realization now, right? Uh Uh-oh, we've made a mistake, right? We, we've, we've added on to it, we've asked for something, and now God's judging, right? The, the harvest is here, right? They've been waiting. They've done the planting. They've, they've watched it grow. It's just about ready, and all of a sudden, Samuel calls down God, and God wipes it all out. He lays it bare. I mean, that would be demoralizing at best. And again, that, that's their, their food. That's what they need to get them through the next season. It's going to take a while before they get that next crop. And so this miracle has happened right before them, and we see, as with that, there's quick repentance. Right? Forgive us, right? We see now. We see what's happened. Verse 20. Samuel's a good leader here in this, I say. Verse 20 says, Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn away from the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Right, that, that caution, right? Yes, this has happened. God's judged us, but he still loves you. And he says, hey, don't turn away. Actually, he's saying lean in a little bit harder. right? Grow a little bit closer in this. right? Time for a heart check. Do you, do you really love the Lord in the good times and the bad? And this is certainly a bad time for them right here in the moment. Verse 21, he says, Do not turn away after useless idols. They can do you no good, nor can they rescue you because they are useless. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. Right, That reminder. These are still God's chosen people. He's still not done with them. He's not happy with them. He's not happy with the things that they've been doing, but he's still not done with them. He still cares about them as individuals and as a nation. And so... Even though he's not pleased, he's not done. Right? They're still his. Verse 23 it says, As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. Joe, Yo, I don't know how Samuel's here, but that was a good thing about praying for your leaders, but also leaders praying for their people. right? Samuel's here is like, Hey, my job here is to pray for you and to intercede on your behalf. Even though you've done wrong, I am still love you as a leader. I still want to pray for you. I'm still, gonna, I'm still part of this group. I don't want to just leave you to your own. And he says, it would be sin for me not to pray if we put it in today's term at this point. And he says, I need to be praying for you. And so he says, pray for you, and I will teach you the way that is good and right. But be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you, Yet, if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will perish. And he kind of wraps up his speech here, right? That's his ending, right? And again, if you wanted to condense the whole message down to a few words, if you're, like the, the bottom line, like I tend to like to do is bottom line things, right? Don't forget how faithful God is. Worship God with all your heart, right? Persist in doing that, right? Don't do evil, There's some do's and there's some don'ts here. There's no getting around that, right? If we obey God and our king does that, things will go well with us. And so Samuel is moving on to the next phase of his ministry. And believe it or not, there's still a couple more chapters of Samuel. So if you came and thought, well, great, Charlie, you finally finished this series on Samuel. Guess what? No, Samuel's not quite done yet. There's at least two, maybe three more sermons on Samuel. But... It does start to wind down. Samuel is getting older, and Saul is going to start taking over as king. But Samuel's not done yet. He's not fully retired, if you want to use that term. He's still going to help them with their spiritual matters. He's still going to speak in when he needs to speak in. So we're not there. We're not back in that time. Oh, I, I also threw in verse 1 of 13. Oh, there it is. Just to, to remind you, right, that Saul's going to be there, right? Saul's the next character that's going to play a prominent role as Samuel backs down. But Saul was there 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned over Israel 42 years, which is a long period of time. So there's going to be a long time that Saul's going to be in control. It's not a, a fleeting thing. And Samuel's going to be there for part of it. Again, part of that transition. And we'll look at a little bit more of that uh, next week. But what about us today? Right? We're, we're not there. We're not in their shoes. We haven't asked for a king. We haven't done these things. We're not Israel. We're, there's, there's a difference. We're believers today where we are. But are, we, are there some things that we can still take away? Are there some things that we can still do today as believers in Christ? Certainly right? So I'm going to give you three do's and three don'ts, right? First do, obey God, right? Obey God. Obey His Word. What His Word says, we need to put into practice. We need to do those things. Second one is serve the Lord with all your heart, right? We talk about it often, right? It's not a religion. It's not a, just a, a checklist or a punch list, but it's a heart condition, right? That relationship that we have, right? Serve the Lord with all our heart, Lead on what God says Comes an issue of the heart. And then follow after the Lord. Right? Lead on what God says. Well, each day, and for me it's almost sometimes moment by moment, right? You know, what do I do in this situation? Right? Listening to that Holy Spirit. Having that, that moment by moment. And then a couple of don'ts. I gave you the good news first and the bad news second. I'm not sure, but it's all good news uh, if you heed the warning. But one is don't have idols. Right, Don't have idols. And again, idols, we've had messages on this as well, but idols can be anything, right? We can put anything ahead of our relationship with God, even good things, seemingly good things, right? I know I'm going to go dangerously close here, but we can even make an idol out of our sports teams. Whew. Right? or our hobbies, or our passions, or even family. We can, we can put anything ahead of our relationship with God, and it becomes an idol. We, it takes away from our relationship, and so that part hasn't changed, right? When we look to other things to fill the void of God, and so that becomes an idol. The other don't, don't do evil, and again, I, I chose evil as a word because that's what the scripture says, but it's a broad term, right? It's, it's those wrong things, it's, it's not only the, the law, but the heart of the law, right? It goes beyond that. We have Jesus' teaching, right? It goes beyond the written law, because it's easy to kind of follow the written things, but what about our heart motivation? And so, don't do evil. And then lastly, don't forget who God is. And this actually is a, could be a, a negative, but it also could be a very much of a positive, right? And don't forget who God is in his faithfulness, right? Just as God was faithful back in the Old Testament, the new, and even today, God is still faithful, and His faithfulness is not dependent upon us. It's a good thing. Bow me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank You for our time this morning in Your Word. We thank You for the Scripture that speaks to learn us. And Lord, the the reason we're here this morning is to, to learn and to grow, but also to worship You first and foremost. For you are worthy to be praised. And Lord, we do thank you for your faithfulness, even though at times we are not faithful, that you remain the constant. You are the foundation. Lord, help us to grow in our relationship, Lord, and help us to do what you've called us to do, each and every one of us. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.